0: What's up everybody light the fight podcast take three for this week's episode um seriously this is the third time we've tried to record this the zoom this is
1: not usual either we're pretty much you know you know the the osmonds were known as like the one the first take oh shoot now i can't even remember what it's called but it's like you know always on the first take and usually we do too we don't ever have to start over but today's been special
0: it has been a special day. And one thing that's been special about this day, I'm going to try this joke for the third time. Uh, hopefully this time the joke lands or at least is recorded. Heidi, this is the third. Actually, no, this is technically the sixth Zoom call now that I've seen you on. And you guys, let me tell you something. Heidi has many different hairstyle looks in one day. So for the very first Zoom call, is a professional meeting. She had the perfect bang flip going on. Looked like she just stepped out of the hair salon, looking fresh and purdy. One though, let me tell you guys, the second Zoom call I got with Heidi, I swear I thought I was doing a quarantine Zoom call with with my teenagers in my high school class. She had the hoodie on. She looked like she was pissed off at her parents, which all, <laughs> may, which all may be true, but you know she looked like an angry teenager. And then now she looks like I'm gonna
1: she, take the teenager compliment as a compliment. That okay, for sure. Like okay. if I can pass as a teenager, I'm
0: taking it. There you go. And then, right now, she's got the sort of I had a long day of work, but my hair still held up.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's why I choose this low maintenance hairstyle.
0: Well, I'll tell you what it it works for you. So everybody, welcome to light the fight. <laughs> even though um you have to hear about her hairstyles. I promise you we're gonna jump right into the episode because, after this many takes, I don't know how much gas I have left in the tank. The first episode, we got pretty deep into it and heard that there's a really bad echo. And Anyway, so we're back at it. Thank you for joining us today, as always. Thank you for um, all of our loyal listeners out there. Thank you for all of you out there that left reviews for us on iTunes. And we've been teasing it for a while, so I'm not going to tease a lot today. But coming very soon is Light the Fight 3.0. We're gonna be having our anniversary really soon, and on top of having our anniversary, we're going to be sharing so many more ways that we can connect with you guys, and you guys can connect with us. Twenty twenty has taught us a lot. First, it taught us how to have a good old fashioned metal breakdown. Taught me how to <laughs> taught me how to fight for my life and not die because my wife, you know, she, you know, we got kids. She needs me around. She, she can't do that. That's around.
1: right.
0: So just out of pure of a business arrangement, I got to stay alive. And uh Heidi it's taught Heidi a lot of things a lot more about her worth and I don't mean that just in like a cheesy like you've owned, you found your worth Heidi but no just professionally you know and in a lot of ways it's like we figured out in 2020 all the stuff that we just need to get rid of if you know if it ain't working no more um it's time to start anew so we're going to be doing the same thing with the podcast we'll be announcing more coming soon but in the meantime we got another episode for you and today's episode is something that all of us have felt throughout our life. Um, many of us have to have had support with, and yes, it starts with a D and ends with an oppression. And so Heidi, why don't you queue up this, uh, this topic for us in this conversation for our listeners, please.
1: Well, I, just based on lots of conversations that I've had, I know that a lot of people ask me the same thing. they, they, um, express that someone that they love, it could be a friend, it could be a spouse, it could be a child, is struggling with depression. And for somebody who doesn't struggle with depression necessarily, um, it's really hard to know how to help somebody who is struggling because, you know, without fail, you want to help anybody that you love that is struggling with anything you want to help. Right. And, um, what I wanted you to talk about tonight is there are some ways that we can be more helpful to somebody who may be struggling with depression and there are ways to be harmful. And I think that when my son, Corey was, he was, uh, diagnosed with anxiety and depression about a year before he passed away. And I, I did not, I did not know how to be a support to him in his depression. I wanted to fix his depression. I wanted to help him get out of depression. Um, and I think that there's a big difference in like coming at this, like I'm going to fix this or coming at it. Like, you know what? I'm going to be here with you. And so I was hoping that, that you could kind of give those who were listening just some real help knowing how to be a a support for somebody who's struggling with depression, no matter what um, is causing that depression or, or the scope of that depression.
0: Yeah. um, Well, if, if, you listeners listening to this right now, it happened to catch our last week's episode. Um, we're, we're trying to focus in on a few specific ways and like a process of talking about questions and stories and scenarios and situations. And one thing that I mentioned last week is that a lot of times, you know, as a, as a professional counselor, therapist, um, when people come and talk to me and they'll tell me, okay, here's my problem. And they explain to me the problem. And as I'm listening to the problem, I'm realizing that that doesn't really sound like the problem. It sounds like the worry. It sounds like the thing that, um, that they're trying to help. But sometimes the, the actual problem is we're misinterpreting or we're not clearly understanding what the person is in need of or what the situation needs at that particular moment. Or as I found out plenty of times, especially like when I'm working with couples or I'm working with parents trying to help out one of their children, sometimes people can't even agree on what the problem is. So it's difficult (laughs) to fix the problem. Like This is a problem. No, that's a problem. So let's say you're helping someone or you're trying to be a support person, like Heidi said, for someone who's struggling with depression. You may think that the problem is that they don't see what you see. Like they have blinders on, like they're missing out on. How easy it could be. It's like, well, well. the problem is, is you're just not eating a healthy diet or you're not exercising and, or you're in, you know, whatever, uh, various things could be on a list that could cause or be contributed to someone having depression and all the things that you assume may be right, but the person struggling with depression that may not be on their radar, or that may be something they've heard tons of times, or, or they may just simply not agree. And they say, it's not that simple because anyone who's had depression, one of the symptoms of depression is difficulty expressing thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So to be a support person, I think we have to first understand what it means in just in the definition of the word support. So like I tend to do a lot because I like to just know that I'm not as smart as I thought I was or think I am, or just I like to prove that The internet, specifically Google definitions, is undefeated. And I usually lose when I think of, hey, I think I know what the word means. Well, then I Google. I mean,
1: you're paying. You're paying for that subscription every month. You may as well use the Google as much as possible.
0: So I just pulled up the word supports in Google really quickly. And here's the definition in a verb. It says, bear all or "parts of the weight of hold up. So bear all, you know, bear the weight or part of it, hold something up. Okay. So if you are to support someone that's having struggles with depression, you're trying to, in that term, you're trying to bear the weight of their depression, or at least a part of it and hold them up. So another way of looking at it is you're trying to give them support relief of what they're going through trying to get them from one place to another, trying to be able to hold them up until they have the strength, capacities, or wherewithal to do it for themselves. So naturally, we think in order to hold someone up, we have to have all the details and understand exactly what they're going through. But as Heidi mentioned, some people are just not going to be able to relate. Some people may not have empathy because you know, in one of our takes of this topic tonight, Heidi mentioned that being, you know, the old school mentality or as I like to call it, the farmer's daughter mentality is you don't just get sad and don't get out of bed and feel bad for yourself. You just got to rub some dirt on it, shake it off, get back to work. <laughs> Suck as it up. I, heard, as I heard a farmer once say calluses cure all your worries. <laughs> Meaning if you just get your hands roughed up, get your hands in the dirt. You got other things to worry about, physical pain, struggle. And so you're so engulfed in work that you don't have time for sadness or depression. And as great as that may sound as a farmer's mentality or, you know, whatever that that tough nose, old school mentality is, that can be helpful to some people sometimes. And it's not necessarily a long-term solution, even though it may be effective to help them just get through that particular day, Right. Obviously hard work is a great solution for a lot of scenarios. So, to help someone with depression, a lot of people make the mistake thinking, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to help them by identifying all the things that they don't want to talk about <laughs> or bringing up all these things that I googled online that they didn't bring up to me. So, step number 1, we really have to understand if you're going to be a supporter, a support give support to someone You got to take the burden off them. You got to relieve that from them. So it means you got to speak their language and connect with them on how they feel about it. Even if you may think differently, even if you may have different experiences. And and I've said this before on the podcast, but it bears repeating. We have to have, well, a good supporter person has to eventually at some point, not just help like bear the weight, but you're also going to have to have influence over that person to. Give that person insight and understanding for things that they didn't know or didn't see themselves. But you can't skip the first step. The first step is to not point out all the things that they don't see. The first step is you got to be on their level, on the same page with them. And so the thing that I've said lots of times here on this podcast that I'm going to repeat is the definition of influence, or better words, like, you know, like just, just the ability to influence other people is to have power. Right. So another way of saying power is influence. Another way of saying influence is power. Right. So if you have influence over someone, you technically have power over them. But the number one way to gain influence over someone is to first allow that person's thoughts, feelings, emotions and experiences have power and have weight on you. It has to move your needle. So as a support person for someone struggling with depression, you may hear the person saying, hey, let's use an example of a parent. Kid comes to them. Hey, you know, I don't know. I'll tell you this, but I've been feeling really depressed. Or let's say the parent looks through the kid's cell phone because, you know, crazy enough, some parents do look through their kid's cell phones, right? It it happens. Or they get a message from a a school counselor or a family member and says, man, you're the kid's posting some pretty depressing stuff. And the parent's like, what do you mean? And come to find out, people are noticing that the child's posting stuff about depression. So the parent goes to him and says, you know, are you depressed? And the child or the child comes to the parents and says, you know, I'm depressed. So now they're at this moment where there's an identif- identification that the child is depressed. No matter how it gets to the parents, it's now on the table. The natural thing would be, how come? What's going on? But if we were to take a very wise approach to this, a better support approach, we would help the person with the burden. And what better per, what better way to help someone with their, a burden than to let the person explain in their own language and in their own experiences what that burden feels like and what it's doing to them. Now, let's say you have a, a child, teenager, child, young adult that struggles for the words to explain it. Because as I mentioned, one of the side effects is depression for many people makes it very difficult for them to talk about their thoughts and feelings and very interpersonal things, right? So at that point, if the person saying, I don't know, I just don't feel good. I just don't feel good. Say, okay, well, I got an idea to better help understand what you're feeling it would really help if you could express what you're feeling. And you know, what works for me sometimes is I'll just go to Google and just say, what does depression feel like? And then I type that in. And before we type this in, we may get like 20 or 30 things. You know, if this is a teenage girl, like, you know, what's depression like for a teenage girl? What's depression like for a teenage boy? What's depression like for someone graduating from high school, going to college. And then as you Google that, a list of things will come down and then you can look at it and say, do any of these things seem to match from what you're experiencing right now and what you're going through? Then they can look at it and then they get to pick and point out the things that they identify with and that they can say, wow, I, I didn't know that was one, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that's it. That Like that. And, and then like this and like that. What this does is this gives us a a mutual like space and and page for us to all work on. Can't tell you guys, depression is such a commonly talked about thing. But if you ask someone, okay, list all the, the characteristics of depression or how someone would be diagnosed with depression. People can name a few, but like I just did right now with the definition of the word support, I wouldn't have said that off the top of my head. I'd have been like to help someone this or that, but the way they put it, to bear the weight, or at least part of it, hold up. Supported in the structural standpoint really means to hold something that is heavy. And how can you hold someone's heavy burden if you're guessing that their burden is something that it's not?
1: That's super interesting because, you know, I think that especially if you have a teenager that is struggling with depression and, and I say especially, but adults have the same struggle of being able to express and identify exactly what they're feeling. And when you kind of can like take Google, which, you, and this is genius because you take something that is completely, you know, unbiased and and pull it up and you say yes to this, no to this. because. Depression is not just, I don't want to get out of bed. It's not just, you know, nothing sounds interesting or I don't want to do anything. Like depression can be all kinds of different things for all kinds of different people. And so I love this idea to really say, this applies to me, but this doesn't really apply to me. And then you really have like, some some i was going to say common ground but you have kind of a a starting point or an understanding um i wrote down identify um what they're feeling not necessarily why not not but just like let's let's get this what you said earlier let's get this out on the table
0: well i picked this up a long time ago as a counselor because People would come in and they'd they'd fill out the paperwork they'd be like I'm struggling with anxiety, I'm struggling with depression. And then I start talking to them about it, they don't even know what it is. And I'm like, wow, that's very interesting. Where, where did you hear this from? Like, where, and not to say that they weren't struggling with those things, I just get curious. Like, okay, so where did you gain the knowledge about this? Did you study this in school? Did you talk? Like, where did you get this information? Like, and they're wait, they start scratching their head. And they start to understand that or come to the acknowledgement that they don't really know that much about it. They've just heard about it. Or let's say they've heard bad things about it. So now they're assuming that if they have depression, anxiety, uh, yeah, now there's a label and a reason for why I'm not successful in you know, X, Y, or Z category. Now this gives me something that I can now say, ah, oh, here we go. This is why I can't do my homework. This is why I can't go to practice. This is why I can't, sh- you know, show up in all these different areas of my life. Well, depression is not a, a hall pass. Depression is not, you know, something that you that you can say like, "Hey, listen, because I have depression or I feel depression, it means that my path is now completely changed." Now, is depression in and of itself, and you know, does can it stop people from being at their best self? And it's worse. Can it cause people to not want to live? Can it, you know, can it have all these effects? Yes, but before you get to a solution, we got to get more and better information. And so, what I did was I would play dumb. I would ask teenagers, "Oh, yeah, you're depressed? Okay, well, well t- tell me what, what's depression." They'd be like, "Well, you're the expert, aren't you?" I'm like, "Well, I mean, yeah, but what if I go?" This is what I always tell them. I said, "Have you ever tried to talk to your parents about a subject that you bring up the subject, your parents?" Think you're talking about something totally different. You guys got in a fight in an argument and your frustration with them is that they don't understand. And then every teenager looked at me and like, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the reason why I'm depressed. Just joking. Sometimes it is. And so I look at them. I'm like, okay, well, that, that's the same thing. Do you want me to help you and support you? Or do you want me to just guess? Because I know what all the definitions of depression are that I know you.
1: Can, and can I add, like sometimes when, as a parent, as if we're looking at our child, we might look at them and think, well, I would probably be depressed if my, if maybe I didn't have very many friends, or maybe I would be depressed if I wasn't, didn't make the, this team, or maybe I would be depressed if I was getting these grades, or maybe I would be depressed X, Y, Z. But, and so you kind of assume, you know why they're depressed because you look at their lives and determine what would depress you about their life. But actually that might be completely different than what's depressing them about their lives because you're going to value different things, right? Not only just because you're different people, different stages of life, but so, so we just can't go in assuming, oh, this is probably what's causing them all this struggle.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And so, so the first thing that, you know, for all of our listeners out there, first thing, if you want to support someone with depression, you're going to have to do what support does, hold them up, bear some of the weight. And in order to hold them up or to bear some of the weight, you got to know where the weight is heaviest. So that's why it's really good to, it's a mediator. Google. YouTube is one of the best ones for teenagers. I'll tell them, find a YouTuber or a YouTube video that describes depression that you relate to and connect with, and then play that for your parent, your friend. It, it's a great mediator so that so many times if a parent heard, you know, like, you know, you didn't do your chores because of X, Y, or Z. And then the next day you say, well, I'm really depressed. I like, go, oh, here we go again throwing around that depression. So parents, because you know they have a job to get you going in life and get you doing things, sometimes they get a little jaded and they get a little, oh, I've heard this story before. And they may dismiss something because they, you know, the whole story of the boy who cried wolf, right? Like, oh, here they go again. Here they go again. They're they're just complaining. Now, one thing that I wanted to add to this, Heidi and I have talked many times on this podcast, you know, we we do this event called the Don't Freak Out Event. And we talk about teaching parents how to become first responders, okay? So let me pose a scenario for you. So I just got done saying about how to better support someone. You have to be using the same language and understand where they need the support, first step, okay? Second step, what do you think is going to be the best first responder? So let's imagine there's a car accident. And in that car accident, there's an SUV and it's a family, a mother with four children. It's a horrible car accident. Which person as a first responder do you think is going to be better equipped to handle this potentially life-threatening situation? That's a horrible accident. There could be, and I won't get all graphic about it, but let's say it's really bad. Do you think the father of the family, that's a firefighter, would be the best person to show up to see this bloody scene to help that situation? Or do you think a person who never met that family before, who has no personal, emotional connection to that family, would be the more calm, collected person to show up and add to first aid and safety and to get that family the help they need? Which one do you think would be the best first responder for that scenario?
1: Obviously somebody who doesn't have all of the emotional connection.
0: Exactly. So the reason why I bring this up is because when your kid tells you that they're depressed, it's your kid. To not take that as, I mean, there's so many subconscious messages going on when, and because, you know, I've had these conversations lots throughout the years. Some parents go to like, wait, what, why? And they start freaking out, panicking. Other parents take a defensive posture. It's like depressed. You're depressed. You're going around post all stuff, depressed. Look at our house, look at our family In my life. You have a way better life than I had. How could you possibly depressed? be depressed? Other parents may just sit there and freeze like a deer in the headlights, like and they don't know what to do. They're just like stuck on stupid, like, and they're just in awe, right? Every single one of those scenarios to the person who's telling their, to the child who's telling their parent that now they're confused.
1: Well, and it's true. You kind of get in this situation. if, If it's your best friend who's depressed, if it's your, spouse that's depressed, if it's your child, you're thinking, well, this makes me look like I'm a crappy partner. I'm a crappy mom. If my kid's depressed, because yeah. it's my job to make sure that they feel great or make sure that everybody's healthy. And, and, and so when you are put in this re- supporter role, um, I mean, when, uh, and I shouldn't say somebody who is making it about themselves or having a hard time differentiating it from whose problem is what, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes when someone you love has depression, you feel shameful about it. You feel like maybe you did something wrong. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I like that you brought that up because it is true. We always
0: tend to kind of, um, yeah, whether it's your partner, spouse, sibling, parents, child, there's always this connection where there's a symbiotic type relationship between the two of you. It's like, if you're feeling this way, what did I do to contribute it? What did I not do that? Um, maybe I missed out on something. How am I to blame? Do you blame me? Where, like, what do I need to do to correct and rectify the situation ASAP? There's so much happening all at once. And depending on your personality and what your life experiences are, it's just, there's no way that it doesn't affect you personally, because there's no degree of separation. It's a connection between you and someone that close to you. So when I have people telling me, like, you know, I talked to my kid or I'm worried about my kid because they're depressed. I see everybody trying to do all these things that come natural, but what I tell them the first thing you need to do is you need to create something in the middle of that conversation that you guys can both speak upon, that you can both talk about, that's outside of this parent-child relationship, spouse-partner relationship. And that's why I tell people to Google it, to pull up YouTube videos, definitions, And let the person who's experiencing it, let them be the curator of the words and the descriptions of it. Now, you as a support person, you don't have to agree. You don't have to say, well, I can totally see what you're saying because sometimes you may not. But what you can do is after you see them describe it, you can thank them. Yeah. You can tell them, thank you so much because... When you first said this, I, I didn't really know because I honestly thought depression was this, that, and the other. But now that we read it, shoot, I didn't even know half of those things on there were depression. Now remember, it's very, very specific. You want to say middle-aged woman struggle with depression, mom struggling with depression, teenage struggle with depression. Put some specific searches in there to get a closer, to get closer to what that person or those types of that population of a person, people, I should say would be experiencing because if you Google middle-aged man symptoms, depression, teenage girl, symptoms of depression, you're not going to get the same results. There's going to be a lot of similarities, but you're not going to get the same results. Once you get that information and they start to go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Just wipe your brow and go, wow, thank you so much. Like this is helping me so much because be totally honest with you. I was thinking you met this. Imagine how bad that would have gone if I would have jumped to conclusions and thought you meant this, and I didn't connect with you on that. You guys right there in that conversation, that is such a gold star and a win. You've just paved the road for success for the next conversation. And Heidi and I heard, um, we had one of our many Zoom calls today. We heard someone give a quote, this woman, Tricia, from Texas. What's up, Tricia? I know she's going to be listening to this. I want to give her a shout out. She gave a quote and it really, it really plays into what we're talking about right now. So Heidi, why don't you go ahead and read that quote?
1: right. I have it right here. She, she said, she was, she was so cute. She's, she kind of told us that this was kind of a mantra that she has in her life. And, and she said, conversation doesn't end after the conversation ends.
0: So putting that into perspective, think about that quote for a second, you guys. Read it one more time, Heidi.
1: Conversation doesn't end after the conversation ends.
0: So all of us that are support people for someone that we're close to that tells us they're depressed, we go into such a fight or flight mode or denial dismissal mode, one or the other, right? That what happens is we want the conversation to end when that conversation ends. We want it to be wrapped up in a bow, be done with, because that's painful. That's difficult. It's hard to watch a loved one go through that. It's hard for us to hear it, because as we said, it's easy to take that stuff personal. But if we're looking at this from a very real, realistic perspective, this is just the beginning. This is you. We're either planting seeds for the conversation to grow, because when I talk to people about depression they come to me numerous times every single week before they can even wrap their head around it pick the the words that will best describe their thoughts and feelings about it and then attempt to express that to people in their life before they can actually land those conversations right on the runway smoothly so if if a person has to come to a professional and needs plenty of reps and practice at how to pick the right words so that other people understand what they're going through then your first conversation with them is not the end of this and if it goes well it should really open up the door for they walk away from the conversation feeling you know edified feeling uplifted and when you feel uplifted from a conversation and there's a strong connection guess what happens to your knowledge and insight about that subject matter connection creates the best innovation. You can actually text that person back, call them back and say, wow, like, thank you so much. That was such a great conversation. Like I was scared to talk to you about it. I wasn't sure how I was going to say it, but like, you know, I started thinking about it last conversation. You know what I said when this bothered me, you know, it turns out when I really thought about it, it's not as much as that. It's actually this other thing. We need a good conversation to lead to a better conversation. And in that better conversation will eventually get us to the point where we can come up with solutions. Like I said, you guys, there's information in the problems. If we don't properly extract the information and that extraction can't be a can't be just pull that information out of something.
1: Wait, I got to stop you, David, because you just said something that you explained in one of our other takes, but you didn't actually explain it in this take. So I'm going to stop you and I'm going to ask me, you. You're
0: we had like talking. 10 takes. So.
1: I know. I know and I actually wrote it down because I was going to ask you to, I was going to ask you to repeat it. And so I want what you said, and I've actually never heard you say this. And so I want you to, to say it again. You said solutions aren't in the problems. There's information in the problems, but not necessarily a solution. So you have to, what he just then said, I've never heard you say this before, but I liked it that you have to, extract information out of the solutions so you can then
0: out of the problems
1: it. oh okay now okay i i gotta shut up
0: <laughs> no no you just no. you're saying it right you just use the wrong word you have to extract information from the problems and then once you take the information out of the problem so when someone's describing the problem you can get lots of great information that can then lead to a solution but it's separate from the problem right. like no one goes into a meeting and say what's the problem." And as someone's saying the problem, say, okay, here's what you need to do. It's like, I didn't even finish talking about the information, the details. If you've ever cut someone off, if you've ever jumped in too quick with a solution, especially with your kids, and they push you away and say, you don't understand me, then you know you didn't do enough extraction of the information before you started to formulate a solution. Because everyone intuitively knows those two things don't happen simultaneously.
1: Well, I I like... I, and i've I've written a lot of notes here, um, just because I want to make sure that I can kind of package this up and and remember it. and also um, for, and also, and for
0: just, you guys know, we're going to be using this information to give you it in a different way than just the podcast. But again, we'll talk about that in the future. So it's consider. coming.
1: It's coming. Yeah. Um, but I like what you where you landed on connection. Um, and I'm just gonna say this whether you've heard it a million times because you've listened to our podcast every single episode, or maybe you're new here, but one of the coined David Kozlowski phrases is the kryptonite to depression is connection. And so, you know, it's easier. It's easy for us to just say, Oh, you've got someone in your life who's depressed connect. And, and that is, that, that is the answer. Connection is the answer, but we cannot just connect without having all of this information to then, um, create that connection. And so, um, I love that. I also love that you just said that each connection is going to, or each, uh, conversation is going to plant a seed for a better conversation, a more deep conversation, a more real conversation, um, because that trust is going to grow each time. And, and, and I love that. And of course, when Trisha shared it with us, that quote, I didn't, I, I didn't think of that, um, application. And so I really have a lot more appreciation for that
0: that quote now that we've had this conversation. Yeah. You know um, it's uh, it, it's one of those things where um, it, it reminds me of, um, well, okay. I'll, 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 quote this person and I'll use this. So one of our earlier episodes, we talked about a book called lost connections. Yeah. It is from an author, Johan Hari. And he's, he's written a couple other great books um, uh, chasing the Scream about the opiate opioid epidemic. And so in this book, Lost Connections, he interviews people all around the world that have struggled with depression. He himself had struggled with depression for over 15 years. So he was on a personal journey. Like instead of trying to diagnose depression, which many people do, he was trying to understand like, what is this thing? Because it's like a, it's, a, it's a thing in and of itself. And so in part of the book, um, he said something that I, I, I couldn't have said it. I mean, like it was just perfectly put. He said, he posed it in a question. He goes, what if depression at its core, not how you get there, not like all the intricate details about it, but what if depression is just different forms of unresolved grief? And you know what? I really like that because having worked with so many different people with so many different things that could cause them to be depressed that led them to depression, whether it's, they went through a surgery and the surgery really changed them physically. And now they're grieving the death of their former self, whether it's a breakup in a relationship um, they're grieving the death of that relationship. And so when he says it's unresolved grief, there's a lot of things in our life, even if we have a chemical, you know, imbalance with depression We're really grieving the death of what we thought we were going to be, what we're used to being, what we hoped we'd be, or in some cases, just not being with the people and in the environments that best suit us. And so, if you look at you know a a large brushstroke, not to be specific about depression, I like how he said that in the book called Lost Connections because the one thing that he found in all these people he interviewed all around the world is. Every single one of them had lost some form of connection. And, and when we look at the definition relationship, My, my I've, I've Googled this plenty of times, and my favorite definition I found is it said, a relationship is a connection between two or more people, places, objects, or things. And then it went on to say, relationships are the essence of all connections or connection is the it, connection is the essence of all relationship that's what i said and i really like that because if we look at connection if we look at a relationship as a connection between two or more people places objects or things we can now fill in a whole lot more blanks than just you know relationship being an intimate relationship with another human being it could be a relationship with your past You know, I've counseled a lot of people that go through heartbreaking divorces. They are are grieving the death of what they thought their future was going to be like. And now their brains like does not compute, does not compute. Now they have to reformulate this whole entire life that they thought they were going to have and just expect to have. And now it's not that. And so I like to look at it as simply as we're all grieving many deaths. Because as I forget the poet or the saying says, you know, there's, you know there's, there's a lot of things that we go through that we live, that thing dies, whether it be an actual physical thing, a person, or it's just a time in our life that expires. And then we have to reformulate, evolve, and move on to the next thing. So in that metaphor, there's, we, we all have many death-like experiences through our life. And out of that is a great opportunity for growth out of that is a great opportunity to level up, but also we're capable of getting stuck in that, that limbo, that, that unknown. And for many people, they don't get out of it, myself included. And so when I'm talking to someone who is a support person, I'm helping them with those first steps. And then I'm helping them see that if you really want to have influence over the person you want to support, you have to really double down and improve the connection through the relationship that's already trusted enough that this person's opening up and telling you in these things. They're telling you, they're telling you all these personal things and you want to have a conversation after that conversation. But the first conversation is so vital. We know that saying it's so important to make a good first impression. Well, you can know someone and make a good first impression on a new topic. You can have an intimate relationship with someone and you can they can open up a topic like, hey, I'm struggling with depression. And based upon how you receive that information and support them in that information, that could drastically change your relationship for better or for worse. Because this past year in 2020, can't tell you how many times people have told me they've lost friends, they've lost relationships because they shared something with someone now this wasn't depression related necessarily and that person did not take kindly did not receive that information well and so now their relationship is no longer the same and they're grieving the death of that relationship so it's this isn't just a, a universe this isn't just a statement for like depression but I think with human beings in general that's a broad stroke of a statement saying connection creates Better innovation. That first conversation about being a support person. Do that. Support. Don't solve. Don't cure. Don't tell a person how they feel. One of the worst things you could do to any human being, let alone someone with sh- struggling with depression that's making an attempt to talk about it, even if you don't even think it's legitimate depression. The worst thing that you could do in that situation is tell the person how they feel. Tell them that. No, no, no I think what you're really trying to say is this, or, don't you think you're just feeling this way because you haven't eaten your vegetables lately, or if you haven't gotten a lot of sleep lately? Telling someone that their feelings about them, themselves is wrong, and that you have a better insight to their feelings, and I don't care if you're right, but telling someone that? That is not opening up the door for greater innovation and better ideas to help support them. That is dismissal that even if your intentions are to support them, that's not helping that situation at all because I hear it all the time. People come to me, yeah, I tried to open up to my friend, tried to open up to my parent, tried to open to this person. Oh yeah, what happened? Well, this, that, and this happened. And then they end up saying, well, note to self, can't talk to them about this. How many times do you think a depressed person can send out that distress signal and it not be received well, it doesn't land well, and they're gonna keep on trying? it usually doesn't work out well if it doesn't land well and they attempt a couple different times
1: all right let me i'm going to add just kind of a last little layer um, and maybe we can all relate to this also i think even with like this if if the pandemic is kind of like a big depression right um and you hear a lot of people talk about fatigue what is you're quick and, and probably there's not a good quick, but what would your response be? Just like, if you've got somebody who's been supporting somebody that is, dep- is depressed, struggling with depression, and you just, you just are exhausted. It's not getting better. You know, it's just dragging you down. You, you feel like you're falling apart as, as you're trying to, to support somebody, um, do you have any thoughts about supporter fatigue? Yeah, well, I call
0: it depression by association. So what I mean by that is if you're attempting to support someone and your support is not effective or you're just not doing it well, you're most likely going to feel, you may not be like actual clinically depressed but you're most likely going to carry that because you're attempting to hold it for them. Or let's say you're holding it too much for them. Let's say you're trying to carry that burden for them. Like, yeah. Hey, let me, let me carry your cross. I'm going to do it for you. And that person's like, Whoo! I spent an hour speaking to you and I feel 5% better. And after that hour you spoke to them, you felt 55% worse. So depression by association means Yes, it is a fine line between being a support person and being trying to be a savior. Saving and supporting are not the same thing. And so if you look at the definition of saving and look at the definition of supporting, you got to ask yourself, what side of the fence are you on? Are you trying to save this person or are you trying to give support to this person? So my quick example to that is that if you're being exhausted and you're being fatigued by this, then you're not doing it in a supportive way. You may feel like you're supporting. In fact, in your way of helping people, this may work with some people, but with this particular person, it's not working. So this is where you need to tag someone else in. Um, if any of you guys have ever watched, you know, pro wrestling back in the day when you're a kid on Saturday mornings, or you know, now it's you know all different times, it's like the person's getting their butt kicked in there and they're reaching out to the ropes, trying to tag someone in, they're like help out. And then the you know, tag team wrestling, they tag them in. Then this person jumps off the top rope, boom, and comes in and they start fighting the battle with them. Well, depression is the enemy, right? You're in there fighting it with them, but you got to tag that person in. You got to tell that person, hey, listen. I've carried this with you. Now you don't say these words, but you're basically saying, Gosh, I know how to help you with this thing. I've listened to you. I've done this. You know, I, I would like to tell you that I know exactly what you need to do. I don't know what you need to do, but I can tell you this I can help you point you in the direction, find some other people that could help you in ways that I can't help you. Now, let's say the person, Says, oh no, no! Well, I've tried everything. That's a common response. A lot of times when I talk to depressed people, like really depressed people, I'll give them suggestion and ideas, only for them to tell me, oh, I already did that. I already did that. Oh no, that doesn't work. Blah 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 blah. You know, in in my experience, that's usually not the case. But it is the easier thing to say. Compare that to a teenager. When you ask a teenager, um, like, what do you think? They say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't mean that the teenager doesn't know. It means that they know it's going to take a lot of brain power and a lot of energy to think about it, formulate an answer and do that. And so it's easy for them just to say I don't know. When someone's struggling with depression, it's really easy for them to say I've done that or you know I tried that, it doesn't work because for them to put more time and energy and thought power into having another failed attempt at feeling better. They just think I'm just going to tap out. And a lot of times they flat out lie. I know I did when I was showing depression. I did that. I did that. Basically, it's just that they're dismissing any sort of help. If that's the case, then that person is not prime and ready for support. Not actual real support where they're going to be holding part of it up for themselves. So in that case, you tell them, Hey, listen, you know, if you've tried everything and i tell you what, at least you're not going to have to deal with this on your own. I know me and other people care about you and support you. I love you. I always have your back. And that's when you can start making statements that you're supporting them, even if they're not allowing you to support them. Now, I wouldn't suggest you try to actually do the heavy lifting for them, be their counselor. There always has to be rules of relationships and boundaries. So, because this is such a general question, I'll just add one more thing to it. If you have a person that is really resistant to your support, but you've listened to this podcast or you've read books and you've you know figured this out, what's going to work best for you and how much support you can give them, they're still not uh, you know willing to take that support and they just want like just someone to just talk to all the time and just whatever, then you simply tell them, I am going to do everything that I know how to do to help you. But if what I'm doing isn't helping you, well, then you let me know. Maybe there's some other people I could call. Maybe there's something, you know, I could do some background information to help you out. But I feel right now, the best thing I could do to help you is to tell you, I got your back and I care for you. All too often, we believe that in order to support someone and help someone, we have to do something drastic, We have to do something meaningful, powerful. We have to be a huge, gigantic meme in their life. And I tell you what, you're helping them even when you don't know what to do. Even if you're telling them you can't talk on the phone any longer, you have my permission to make up excuses to turn a two-hour conversation into a 45-minute one. Or if it's someone that is not talking to you at all and is very distant, well, then you got to use resources and talk to other people and say, hey. Could you take a crack at them? Could you send them a link? Could you talk to them and reach out to them? So, if you have the people who won't allow you to give them any feedback or support, that's another way. If you have a person who wants you to be their everything and to be their crutch, then you got to pull back away and tell you, I'm not qualified for this, but I am qualified to care. So, I'll care while someone else counsels you. How does that sound?
1: I like that. I like that a lot. I think that um, a lot of times, And I know this, how I felt as a parent, that it was my responsibility to carry that entire burden to, it was my responsibility to know what to do, to know how to handle the situation because, you know, I was the mom and, um, I think it's really important to, and I I'm going to write that down to what you said. I'm qualified to care might not be qualified for. All of these other things, because you're not, you know. I like. There's. I, I've heard people say before, like if if your child or someone someone that you love fell in the fell down on the playground and broke their arm, you wouldn't say, oh, "Okay, well, let me let me just cast this up really quick," because I'm your mom. Um, you would immediately want to get somebody that knew how to cast
0: an arm. You guys, I real quick, Heidi, I've had so many conversations. For those of you guys who don't know how the, the Mormon church works, but in Utah there's lots of Mormons, in case you didn't know that. And uh Heidi's laughing. <laughs> and yeah, I get because I'm of, saying,
1: it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, David. Come
0: on. Okay, the Church <laughs> of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. Okay. Um okay. I've so I'm counseling lots of kids who are, are of that faith, right? At least their families are families of that faith. And so they'll go into a bishop tell the bishop that they're depressed they're struggling confess that they're suicidal whatever it may be then as part of you know the referral process and you know, sometimes the church will pay for it and stuff like that the bishop will call me because they're paying for it and just say hey I want to let you know what had happened and this is why I'm referring this kid to you and I'll say okay and then the bishop will say hey I uh, just want to let you know like let me know whatever you need for me but when they told me to do this I thought about you David because I'm a dentist or I'm a construction worker. Uh, I, I, or usually what they'll do after I get a relationship with them, they'll call me and say, Hey, Dave, like, what do what do I do in this situation? I don't even know what to say. They're not even counseling the kid. They just don't even know what to say at that moment. And I just tell them, thank you so much, Bishop, so-and-so, whatever your name is, because the last thing you want to do is try to be a Bishop, an attorney, a dentist, a construction worker, a pipe fitter, a counselor, all those things you could give advice, but this one, you don't want to try to step outside of your, your, you know, your scope of what you know how to do. And I've been so thankful that a lot of these people will come to me and say, Hey, like, I, I, don't I don't know the situation. I just, I just do root canals. <laughs> and so that's that, what a good supporter does says, thank you for that information. I'm so glad you trust me with that information. Wow. This is going to be so helpful. You know, and and instead of trying to counsel them on depression, you could be like, gosh, well, what does depression mean to you? Go, tell them to Google some stuff. As they start talking about it and they start to better understand what depression is, you don't have to be a professional counselor to pull it up on Google, to look on WebMD and go, wow, do you identify this? Oh, wow. This sounds like this could be a serious thing. But well, I tell you what, I'd love to help give you a referral. I'd love to help you out in this situation. So I, I coach bishops and people like that how to do it. That's the same thing I'm doing for parents. It's the same thing I'm doing for friends. You don't want to be like, I now have to be the bearer of this and I have to become a professional magically overnight. Okay. You
1: know, we gotta We got to be able to, in our relationships, normalize these difficult conversations about hard feelings, about things that are going on that are real. And I think the sooner in our lives we can have these conversations with our kids. Um, i I don't want this just to be about your kids because what you know, because you're gonna experience this with a lot of different relationships. But the sooner that you can make it okay for somebody to talk to you about this and being a soft place for someone to land when they need to discuss it, the better. Because I'm just going to say it. This is the light, the fight, right? When you shine light on depression, whatever's going on, any of the fears and um, struggles, you shine light on it, you you put it out in the open, it takes away the the power um, and the heaviness. And that even just talking about it and letting somebody tell you what's going on without judging them, Without coming at them with a solution that they should do, will be a, a method of, of bearing that burden and a method of connection. Um, so don't underestimate just listening. Yeah, you definitely don't wanna help them with the wrong fight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm helping <laughs> you fight like your fight, and they're like, that's not the fight I'm struggling with. <laughs> so it's not, I totally assume wrong, because I thought you meant it, but. That's the problem is most time people don't even know what the problem, the real problem is they're trying to support. Find that common language, be able to identify and speak on the same page, and your connection is going to illuminate better ideas of how to give support to that person that's struggling.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, David. I I appreciate this. I think this is super, super helpful to any of you who are supporting somebody that is struggling with depression. Um Know that you are you're needed. Know that you need to take care of yourself, um, and know that it's not about it's not about you. But there are a lot of things that you can do, and you are pretty much qualified to care.
0: So, so and yeah, do definitely that. don't freak out and say, well, "Are you depressed because of me?"
1: <laughs> right,
0: exactly. exactly. Even if that might be partially true. Don't want to to lead with that one. Don't want to lead with that one.
1: (laughs) Oh, you guys, as always, we appreciate you coming and listening. We appreciate your support. Um, Please, if you know somebody that is in these difficult situations, and just so you know that if you have any questions, concerns, something that's going on that you would love to have David and myself.
0: There you go. And you.
1: Weigh weigh in on. um, You can send. We would love to hear your comments and questions on um, social media, on our Instagram page at LightTheFight. Um, or also, if you want to go to our website, which is lightthefight.com, you can always submit a question or even just a topic um, that you would love for us to weigh in on. Um, we appreciate you. We know that wherever you are, um, you're working to burn, you know a little brighter to carry your torch higher for those that you love. And, um, and you are, if you are here listening to this podcast, you want to be a supporter and we are so thankful. We're thankful for your efforts. Um, so as always, thanks for listening and thank you for helping us to light the fight.